Um, I have uh, I have best moments in my life. Um, I have my best moments with my parents. It's a memory, and I, that's what I do. I just say that's my best moment, and it goes in a little file in my brain. I have um, I have best moment with my kids. It's in a file in my brain. It's it's the one I pull out when I need my best moment. Uh, yesterday was my best denominational moment. It's the one in my mind when I think, if this is the leadership in our denomination. I'm happy to be part of it. And so um, with that, I'm just going to introduce Jeff. I'm grateful for you uh, encouraging me and uh, giving me faith in the direction of the North American Mission Board. And welcome. Come forward. Well, that was, uh, that was quite an introduction, let me tell you. Thank you. And um, did I enjoy yesterday? Uh, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your, your church and uh, what, what God is doing here. God is doing something in your church. And sometimes when you're, you're in the middle of something and it's kind of, you know, week after week after week, you, don't, you fail to recognize kind of the, the spiritual things that are going on. And uh, so if you want to file away a special moment, file this, this one away, not this one, but I mean... The, the one that, that you're in right now, because it seems like um, uh, God is preparing this church for some really amazing things. And so, um, remember back, is probably you'll look back someday and go, remember when we were making these decisions and stuff, and wow, look what's happened now. And, um, and I think that's kind of the place you're in. And so, uh, I, I really, you know, just in, in thinking about this morning, what to share, and we we're talking a little bit... Um, I really wanted to hit something to help us get a picture of, of God and what he can do. And, and especially in the kind of the season that your church is in as you're beginning to, to really wrestle. I won't say wrestle. I hate wrestling. People who wrestle with God, they already know what God wants them to do. They just don't want to do it. So they're wrestling with them until God says, okay, uh, I'll, I'll be obedient. Until they say, I'll be obedient. So we're not wrestling with God. We're learning to understand what it is that God is asking us to do. And... Um, uh, there's a passage of scripture that just means a lot to me. And I think it means a lot to a, a lot of Christians. But for me, it's been something... I remember when I was... Uh, I graduated from university and I was engaged to my wife. And I was up in Canada and my wife was down... Our fiancé was down in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, we were writing uh, back and forth. Uh, kids that was like licking stamps and, you know, <laughs> licking an envelope and putting it in a, in a box and hoping for the best. And, uh, and, and, and crossing the border, and it would always take longer to go back and forth and back and forth. And so we were writing letters back and forth, and, uh, and I was having this, this anxiety in my spirit. Um, I was in the midst of planting what was I thought was going to be the, the first church that I would ever plant, and I was, or was, and I was... I was 21, and you know, I was knocking on doors, and you know, I looked like I was 16, and saying, "Hey, you know, I'm Jeff, and I'm starting this church. You want to come and join me?" People didn't weren't really excited about the idea, mostly, but um, but you know, I was giving it a college try, and and uh, and I was getting discouraged about how things were going, and and um, and I began to wrestle with God even about this 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 marriage with Laura, how could I support her and all that? And, and how is this going to happen? And, and 
the Lord gave me this passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at. And if you want to flip your Bibles to it, it's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And, uh, and just really in this little one-bedroom bachelor suite apartment that I was in, uh, just really just <sighs> spoke to me in a way that nobody could and, um, and got a hold of, of my spirit and filled it with faith to follow him. And I wrote this letter to Laura about Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And then I did the thing. I licked the stamp, licked the envelope, opened the dress, found a little red box, the little slot in it, and stuck it in there. And, um, and wait, you know, took about a, over a week to, to get back and forth across the border. And, um, and at that time, about two days later, I get a letter back from my fiance, Laura, and uh, she obviously hadn't read my letter yet. And guess what it was? It was a letter how God had been speaking to her about the same subject and used the same passage of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And I've come back to it many, many times because here's the deal. God is going to call this church, I really believe, I know God is going to call this church to do something it can't do. Because that's the only thing God does. And um, so he's going to ask you to do something you can't do. And he's going to ask individuals in this congregation to step up and do things you've never done before. And everybody's going to look at themselves and say, I can't do it. We can't do it. It's impossible. And at that point, you're in the right spot, right? You're, You're just absolutely in the right spot for God to do what he wants to do through this church. But in the midst of that... There's going to be all kinds of emotions. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to be on, I don't know. I don't know if we can pull this off. I don't know if we have the chutzpah, the energy, the money. I don't know if we've got any of the stuff that we need to do this thing that God has asked us to do. And, um, and some of us are going to be tempted to go back into the business planning idea of how we do church here. And we get our budget and we you know, budget for 5% more. And we you know, kind of figure out uh, how, how man can do it. But... What God is asking this church to do something is so much different than that because of the need is so much greater than last year plus 5%. The need that, that, that your, your state has, our, your country has, North America has, the world has, is so, so much greater that the good news needs to get out somehow, some way, and it needs God's people to do it. So let me just read this passage of Scripture. And, and think about, perhaps, some of you might be sitting here and know, absolutely, no, 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 you know God has asked you to do something already and you've been wrestling with God. Uh, you can think back to maybe when you were a teenager or when you were 20 or when you were 30 and you're very clearly, you can say, I know that I know that God spoke to me at one time and said, Fred, <laughs> I hope there's no Fred here. Um, X is what I want you to do. And you shut down and said, no, God, I'm not willing to do that. You were overwhelmed. It was too much. It was too great. And you found something lesser that you could do and still serve God. Now look at Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. 
Father, we come before you right now as your people. And you have in different ways and different times shown each one of us your power, your authority. How amazingly, incredibly awesome that you are. You've demonstrated that to us in different ways. Today, Lord, we pray that you would give us faith to follow you in whatever it is that you're asking us to do. That we would join you and look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to just look at this passage of Scripture. And if we could, we'll just, we'll just look at it. and It's not a complicated passage of Scripture. It doesn't need lots of you know, deep interpretation. It's, it's just right out there. It comes from a passage right before that where, where Paul is describing how incredibly gracious God's love is towards us. And, and so he paints this picture of God's love and how you can't measure it. It's just it's incredible. And then this little word, the very first word, hinges it. And it's the word now, right? That's the very first word from this passage of Scripture. Here, here's the context. Here's God's love for you. Here is, it, you can't measure it, the height, the depth. You can't, can't understand it. Now, with that as a fact, now something has to happen. Now, this first word is a really important word because we don't like it <laughs> most of the time. We don't like this idea of now. We like later. And, uh, and, and some of us have a very hard time, we understand the great theological concepts of God, but some of us have a hard time taking the steps of faith in that, that those great theological concepts instruct us to take because we believe in this great God. But this very first word talks about it's now, and, and the now of God is where we act. We don't act later, and some of us find that's very, very hard. Some of us are paralyzed by the past. And we think about our failures, we think about things that are going on, and we, and we think, how in the world can, 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 I, can I be involved in this thing that God is asking us to do now? And some of us are afraid of the future, and we're worrying and worrying, you know, like 95% of the things we worry about never happen. Did you know that? Just think about all the things that you worry about, and then think, did, did, did those things ever happen? They don't happen, most of them. But, but we are paralyzed by the worry of the future, and we, we forget about the now of God, that he wants us to, to walk with him in faith now. We can only take steps of obedience now. Uh, um, I, to be honest, I, I don't, I'm not paralyzed by the past much, and I, I'm actually not worried too much about the future, but my mistake most of the time is I'm always thinking about the future. I'm always planning, dreaming, blah, 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 about the future. And I forget, to, you know, to get there, I have to do some things now, right now. And, uh, and I spend too much time. Like one, one time, I married 15 years. And, you know, the romantic guy that I am thought it was about time we finally had a honeymoon. <laughs> and, um, and so for the, for the first time, I've really been planting churches. We never had two cents to rub together most of the time. And, and uh, I was going to surprise my wife on a honeymoon 15 years late. And, uh, and I was inspired by an American Express commercial. Now, now you're getting to a little bit about how romantic I am, you know. And, um, 
And I saw this commercial where this guy is going to an airplane, his wife's dropping him off in the airplane, and she's thinking, you know, he's going to drop him off. And actually, it was a trip for the two of them. And I thought, I'm going to do that. And so I, I planned this trip for my wife and I to go to the Mayan Riviera next to Cancun, Mexico there. And we are going to have this wonderful time. And, uh, and I'm not going to tell her about it. And, and she dropped me off at the airport lots because I go to speak at different spots. And so she'd always, you know, never even care where I'm going. Just say, what time do I pick you up kind of thing. And, and uh, so she was going to take me and another guy to this airport. And uh, so I had to plan everything, everything. Um, I went, she works at a college. I had to call her dean and say, can, uh, can she have these 10 days off? And don't tell her, don't tell her. And, uh, and, I, and I planned all the stuff going on there. I knew that I had to pack for her because I couldn't have just... <laughs> yeah. It gets worse. I'm going to be... I'm going to be sneaky about this. And so I don't want her to notice she's missing her stuff. So I'm going to buy stuff. So I'm in her underwear drawer looking at sizes and trying to figure this all out. And, and um, I, I, I remember going to the, the store and, you know, buying this stuff. And actually, funny enough, um, Sarah Baylor started, was a, Eric and Sailor, Sarah were just starting to attend our church in Toronto. And, um, and I don't know if we really even hardly knew each other. And, uh, and I'm in this Store and I had just gone through the underwear department, and she goes, Pastor Jeff, is that you? <laughs> I had to tell her the story so she didn't think I was a creep and, you know, <laughs> swear to secrecy. And uh, so, anyway, plan this, this trip. And uh, so she drops us off at the airport, and then she says, Oh, when do I pick you up? And I said, Ah, oh, let me get a, the ticket out here, and I hand it to her. and it's to Mexico, and it's got her name on it. Like, she could not believe this. And uh, so she, she uh, we, we planned this thing, and now, you know, wow, this is amazing. And, and, uh, and I had planned a whole bunch of surprises every couple of days, something else that was just going to rock her world. And I was thinking, this is, and I'm saying, oh, honey, this is going to be so much fun. Oh, honey, this is going to be so much fun. Oh, you're going to love this. And finally, at some point, she says, Jeff, this is fun. And I wasn't enjoying it. I was always on to the one that was about to happen. I could never enjoy the one that was. I was missing now. And um, this passage of Scripture starts here. The now of God. Now. The past, the future, they can be incredible distractions. And we can miss out on what's going on here. It says now. What's the next two words? Now. To him. Overwhelmed. The thing that God has asked you to do is too big. Who cares? Where are you going? Are you going to yourself? No, you're going to Him. And not after I exhaust every other possibility. Now to Him. And you think about this to Him. And the size of the God that we're talking about here. What He is able to do. If you just wanted to construct a model of, of how big this God is. If you took a grain of rice and took a scissors and, and snapped it in half, so it was roughly about two millimeters square around, and then um, you took a soccer ball, you have roughly uh, the scale of the earth and the sun, roughly. A grain of rice snapped in half, a little, little round thing, and a soccer ball. 
And if you're going to put them around, you're going to try to make a, a um, model, where would you hold the soccer ball? How far? It's, well, it, it's 22 meters, roughly. So you pace off 22 meters, and, uh, and someone would hold the soccer ball. And you go, wow, you think, how big am I on this you know, little bit of rice when the soccer ball is way you know, out, out in the parking lot there somewhere? And then um, you, you go to the next star, and I uh, get another soccer ball, and, and how far do you have to pace off? Well, from Toronto, you have to go to Lima, Peru, and drop the next soccer ball. And you're just making a model of, of the next closest star, the second closest star. Then you come back to this little half grain of rice and you think about how big are we? Do you think God really cares how able we are? Do you think God really cares two hoots about the strength or the resources of this church? He can do what he wants to do. He just wants you to trust him. Now, we go to him when we're overwhelmed, and it describes him, this one to whom we go. And it says, who is able? It, the Greek word is where we get our English word dynamite. He has this, this incredible power. And if you say, I'm not able, or this church is not able, who cares? What has that got to do with God? He is the one who is able. And, um, and not just to... Uh, talk, not just to strategize, not just to scheme, not just to plan, not just to come up with with great ideas that we could do in our own strength. He is able, what's the next two words? To do. He's able, he's the one who's actually doing the work. He doesn't ask us to do the work, he's able to do it. And then describes that this work that he is able to do is these two little words, far more. In Greek, it's, it's uper, where we get our word super or Germans, Uber. This, this, he's able to do more, far more, Uber. And then Paul jams another word in. Guess what it is? Uber again. He is able to do far more abundantly. He makes up a word and puts, it's basically Uber, Uber, super duper. He is able to do far more than, than we could ever ask. Now, how many of you can ask some pretty big stuff? How many of you have asked some pretty big stuff for this? For God's glory in this church. Think about that. God, would you do this? And, uh, and just imagine what God is thinking. Yeah, if this is something that's in my will, something for my glory, I'm able to do far more than you're able to ask. You know, I can ask some pretty audacious stuff. When, when, when we moved to Toronto to start this church, I, I asked for something that made no sense. I said, God, would you give us the ability to plant 25 churches out of this church by the year 2020. That was my ask. And um, we weren't able to even plant church one. We didn't have any resources. We didn't have any anything. And um, we really literally moved to the most expensive place to live in Canada. And, and my wife and I quit our incomes. <laughs> and we had no, no income. And we went moved to the, mo- the, the average family income at that time, 1996 census, was 99000 That was the average. And um, we were moving there to bring you know, the average way down. That was our job. And <laughs> we were successful. And, um, and, uh, and so we, we had this thing saying, not, God, not would you plant a church, 
But would you plant a church that would plant churches and that if you would breathe on this thing, uh, man, what, you would get the glory because it's so obvious that we don't have what it, what it takes. And, and I could tell so many, many, many stories. Eric and Sarah, you could tell stories about, about what we saw God do, this impossibility and another impossibility and another impossibility. But uh, we did see it. And um, we're in a place where Christianity is not the norm, where secularism is the norm, where nat- nationwide it's 6.7% of Canada is evangelical, but most of that is in the West or in the East Coast. And in, in the cities in Toronto, it's just almost zero. Most people are about three, three generations out of a Roman Catholic church. And, uh, and there's just not a lot of, of, of people saying, I want to be involved in Christianity. Yet we saw God do so many amazing things. And let uh, me tell you a couple. We go to, we go to um, have our first preview service. And we're thinking... Uh, what we want to do is somehow advertise or let people know that God makes a difference, God makes sense, God is relevant to a, a secular mind or secular heart. And so we went and, and I had designed at a printer a little postcard that was black and white and had a picture of a, sort of a despondent, rejected-looking woman. And all it said on the front is, I can't get no satisfaction, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. And, uh, and it flipped it, flipped it over, and it, it was an invitation to an, uh, an Easter sneak preview for this church. Now, to, to print this and to mail this was $6,000. And um, we had $0. <laughs> and, um, and so I had it designed, and the printer called me up and said, Jeff, if you're going to mail this thing out and have it on time, you need to let me know by business days today so we can get started on the printing. And, you know, I, I had no idea. I had two partners in crime with me, Gary and Jim, and we went down to, to uh, the basement and we began to pray and say, Lord, what do you want us to do here? And um, you know what I sensed the Lord say? No audible voice, just sense in my heart the Lord say, you came here to start a church start a church okay and I called the printer up and gave him my MasterCard number and said um, go ahead and go ahead um, and I start worrying <laughs> you know what have I just done well God is faithful and he's able to do far more than I can ask and by that day um, a lady who I'd met one time in my life who was in Texas, had some land in West Texas that they sold, and she wanted to give a a part of it to what we were doing in Toronto. And so when it translated from U.S. dollars at the exchange rate to Canadian dollars at the time, guess how much it was? $6,000. Wow. We sent this thing out, advertised to to the neighborhood about this thing. And so we're getting ready, and uh, so I began to work on a message that thought might speak to the hearts. We began to um, beg, borrow, and steal a, a worship band of anybody we could find, and most of them weren't even Christians. And, and uh, we had this worship band there, and we had a guy who was a, uh, a Gary, who was a leading, leading worship there. And, and, uh, and everything just seemed like it was made so much sense. Go and take the step of faith. 
But the next barrier we had was, well, it was Thursday, and the next day was Good Friday in Canada because of the Catholic background. Everything's closed Good Friday, and then Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. So we're at the last shopping day, and we didn't have a sound system. We didn't have anything. And we just, we just knew God was going to provide it somehow, some way. We tried all of our ways to see if we could borrow something. Never happened. Couldn't get anything to work. We were thinking, oh, boy. So we got to Thursday, the last shopping day, and say, okay, what do we do? We go down to the basement again, and we start to pray. And, um, and you know what we sense God saying? I don't know what he said, but I just sense in my spirit, God said, you came here to start a church, go start a church. So two miracles happened. Miracle number one, I called MasterCard, said, hey, I don't have a job. Would you raise my credit limit? And, um, and they, they did. And um, that was before the big bust in the economy. And, uh, and then um, we go to this store and we pick up, you know, all the doodads that connect all the things and the wires and snakes and microphones and amps and speakers and stands and blah, 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 blah. And $15,000 later, we left. And, uh, and we're, we're at it all loaded up in our, in our minivan and I'm, I'm, I'm dying. I'm thinking, what have we done? We've sinned, you know. I've read all of the the commentators on, you know, Christian stewardship, and this was not one of the things you're supposed supposed to do. And uh, and I literally am going, oh man, this is tough. This is bad. God help us here, please. You know, I'm worried now. And we're lo- unloaded this stuff in Gary's garage, and and uh, I go home, and I get home at seven o'clock in the door that evening, and I really, my stomach was nuts, and. Um, and at 7.25, a phone call comes from Harpeth Heights Baptist Church, which I've never heard of, in Nashville, Tennessee, and said, Hey, Jeff, I heard about what you guys are doing, and we have a Suburban. Could you all use it? But no. <laughs> could you sell it? <laughs> and they said, Yeah, we could, we could sell it. And they sold it. And guess how much it came out to? $15,000. MasterCard bill paid. This is the God who is able to do far, far more than we can ask, or the next two words, or even think. It's this, this means even imagine. Think daydream. God, it's in your wildest dreams. Could you do this? God says, in my sleep. I can do far more than any of the most visionary people in this room could ever, ever, ever imagine. See, God's intention for this church, I promise you, exceeds anybody's dreams in this church. God's intention for your life and your ministry and what God wants to do through this church exceeds your wildest, craziest thoughts about how God might be able to use you in the kingdom for his glory in this church. It's greater. I told you about our our little dream Uh, a year ago. Um, our, our national convention, Canadian National Baptist Convention, um, I brought on the center stage a couple, Barry and Lawanda Bonney, who were praying for a church to start in Toronto. And so that's where this little story starts. 
and I end up moving into his, their house and a couple other families and 14 people and a dog lived in this 1,300 square foot townhouse and that was the beginning for months. And um, then I brought the, the staff that have, have been assembled from that first church, the sanctuary, and, and the stage is getting more and more full. And then I start bringing up naming the church plants that were started in the cities and I started naming them and their staff started going up on, on, on this stage. And, um, and then we started something called Toronto Church Planting, which was a, a way to broaden how we could, but that was coming out of the sanctuary. And, um, and so we started calling those churches that were started through, through this. And the, their pastors and staff were coming. And then Andrew Lammy right here leads Vision 360, which was a, uh, an interdenominational way that we could cooperate and help support church planting. And we brought those pastors on the stage here. And pretty soon, the, it, Pete, you could have heard a, a pin drop when you began to look at that crazy prayer that we asked God, could, could it be possible that you could do something like this by 2020? And looked how God far exceeded that already. To him who is able to do far more than you can ask or even daydream. But here's the kicker. It's according to the power at work within us. You see, if you're overwhelmed, I know you're, you're looking in accordance to the power that you have. The minute someone says, oh, I don't think we can do it, you're looking at according to the power that you have. The church of Jesus Christ was never called to demonstrate the power that you have. The church of Jesus Christ was called to demonstrate the power that he has and what he can do. If you're overwhelmed, get your eyes off yourself. Put your eyes on the grain of rice. And the soccer ball, and the other soccer ball. And then the God who spoke it into existence. To him be the glory. Next phrase. Now, to him who is able to do far more than we can ask or even think According to the power that is work within us, to him be the glory. Now, now we have a hard time even getting that because the word glory in it doesn't it, it's a, in Greek a way more powerful word than we can say with the word glory. The idea connotes it really connotes weight. It's a presence, a weight of God's presence amongst you that can't be explained. It's, it's, it's something that was going on. God's presence is doing something. And anybody who is around it or sees it really understands and gets it right away. You don't have to say, oh, no, God gets the credit for this. No, duh, God gets the credit for this. How could this, 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 this group of people accomplish this thing that's just happened? God obviously gets the credit for this. You know, this, this idea of weight, it's... it's I fly Air Canada a lot, and on Air Canada, every every um, screen, every um, seat back has a, a movie screen thing. You can kind of choose the movie you want to watch, and and um, and so you. There's this one. There's this category called contemporary, and for those of you who have a hard time with contemporary music, all contemporary means is old. 
And uh, <laughs> so contemporary are the old shows that have been like 10 years ago. And so I was watching contemporary and there was one called The Notebook. Now, how many of you ever seen The Notebook? Guys, come on, admit it here. No, I mean, it's the ultimate chick flick. And, uh, and I usually I like to work and get emailed and caught up on stuff on there. But, uh, but I was sitting in the middle of two big bruisers. And I got the, no one wants the middle seat, right? You just don't want that. You don't, I had no elbows you know, to do any work. So I'm, I'm sitting here like this. And I'm so big, big guy left of me, big guy to the right of me. Or, and uh, I got the, the, the well, watch a movie. So I plug in the notebook, put on the headphones. And like, you don't believe what's about to happen here. I mean, oh, uh, this is like the saddest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm trying to control myself because like blubbering between these two guys is not going to look good. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, I, I, I have to pull my headphones out and stop and think about something else and get composure. <laughs> okay. Okay, put them back in. Like three times I went through this. <laughs> the notebook. I mean, that's the picture of what, what we're talking about here. The weight of God's presence here. You can't escape it. His glory is so absolutely understood by everybody who walks around there. To him be the glory. His presence, his weight is unexplainable. It's undeniable. He is with us. And what is the sphere of God's glory right here? Now, to him who is able to do far more than abundantly than we can ask or think, according to his power with, that is within us, to him be the glory where? Where? Hmm? Someone said, I hear a whisper, where? Where? In this church. In this church. His glory wants to be seen in this church. The sphere of God's glory. The rest of the world might be saying, times are tough. We've got to be careful. We've got to cut back. What's that got to do with his church? Your, your, your fellow workers might say, ah, got to be careful here. Can't be too generous. What's that got to do with what he wants to do in this church here? To him be the glory in the church. And then the ultimate object of God's glory. And in Christ Jesus. Society is overwhelmed. Your neighbors to the left, your neighbors to the right. Having troubles with their children, having worries about the economy, about their job, about how they're going to pay things, have all kinds of issues. You have an opportunity, an incredible opportunity, to show the amazing power of Christ and the difference that he makes and the glory he gets when you focus your life upon him. The object of God's glory is the Savior Jesus Christ and your service and your life and devotion to him. To him be the glory throughout all generations. You see, we were talking about this yesterday. Man's way is to figure out a business plan for God. 
and it makes sense and we can see clear and visible results. God's way is to ask us to do something that oftentimes doesn't make sense. And, and many times we don't even get to see the results in our attention deficit disorder uh, attention span because the results were intended for a generation later or maybe another generation later. And, um, and we get to see what God wants to do. I had a pastor who moved from Oklahoma to eight hours north of the North Dakota border in the northern Saskatchewan in the middle of nowhere. And he, in a little town called Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, he started this church and, um, and at its zenith, it grew to 80 people. That's all. And, um, but he was following God. And he listened to him and he invested in the lives of people. And you know something? As I look across Canada, I can see leaders of an incredible thing that's going on who come from this one little church that are, are all over the place. And, and you ask people, you know, what was the greatest influence in your life? It's a man named Jack Connor, who no one's ever heard of. And the results of the ministry, the collective results of the ministries of the people that have come from that one little church is staggering. <clears throat> Generation after generation after generation after generation, forever and ever and ever. Amen. I'm going to ask if you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. Just... Think, if you could, if you can imagine, uh, think of your life, your personal life in, in two ways. One, just your life. Um, your family. Your job. Issues that you are facing with as a, as a mom or a dad or a husband or a wife or a young person. Think of the the areas in your life where you're overwhelmed. Where are you living? Are you living in the past? Afraid? Remembering how you failed or remembering where you didn't measure up? Or maybe you're living in the future and you're worried and you're paralyzed. What are you asking God for? God, help me to survive. Help me not to crash and burn. Help me just to get through this. Whose glory do you desire? Now, to him who is able to do Far more than you can ask or even imagine. According to the very power 
that is at work within you. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. This God who has redeemed you has assigned you to a purpose of giving him glory by trusting him. Will you trust him? What is the last thing that God has asked you to do? Are you doing it?